Morning everyone. Hello. Um, can you hear at the back if I try and project a little bit? Is that all right? Yeah? Brilliant. Okay. Um, as has been said, my name's Ollie, and um, I've got Caleb and Rose and my wife Kirsty as well. Um, we've come over. And uh, it's nice to be able to yeah, bring them along. Um, and it's so good to be able to join you guys. And um, I realise that we've had a lot of interactions over lockdown times, but it's really nice to actually be with you guys in, um, in person. So, oh, you're a legend. Thank you so much. Um, just down a bit. Uh, keep on going down. I want to see your faces. Yeah, keep on going down. That's it. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. Sorry. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, you guys are lovely. Um, so, um, I'm going to be speaking this morning, and I'm going to be carrying on your series um, all about worship. So, we're going to be having a look this morning at worshipping through the valleys, which um, valleys, if you know them, kind of little areas in between the mountains, very low down, mountains very high, valleys very low. So, we're going to be having a look at the cheery topic of worshipping through tough times and trials this morning. Come on. Um, so, but I think it's really important to teach into because lots of us, have you ever come across that chant at football games where it's, uh, you only sing when you're winning? Anyone come across that? Yeah. So sometimes opposition fans will goad the home team. For example, if they're winning, if the home team has scored 1-0, and then the away team, they equalise with 10 minutes to go, and then the away team, they get the winner just a couple of minutes before, and the home team, in the first half, they were cheering, they were chanting, and then they go silent when they're losing. And the away fans, they goad the home fans and they say, you're only singing when you're winning. Actually, as Christians, we shouldn't just be singing when we're winning. We shouldn't just be celebrating when we feel that life's going really, really well. Actually, we should be singing at all times, even when it feels like we're losing. And you know what, for some of us this morning, that's going to be quite hard to take because for some of us, um, we might be going through really challenging times. We might be going through the valley moments. We might be going through those times where actually we just don't want to sing. Singing is the last thing on our minds or the last thing we want our hearts to do. Um, so you might be in that position this morning. And if you are, I'm praying that God's word really ministers to you um, this morning. And um, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 16, we're going to be having a look um, at that in a few minutes. Turn to the person next to you and ask them, what were you made to do? What were you made to do? Ask them that question. What were you made to do? And try and give an answer. What were you made to do? What's your point on this earth? What's, your, what's the point of your life? So if the question is, what were we made to do? I believe the answer is to worship and to enjoy God. We're all made to be worshippers. Some people in the world, lots of people in the world will worship. They'll go towards, I don't know, fashion or um, jobs or you know, kind of a fancy lifestyle. And they'll worship things in life, but they don't know why they've been made. And they don't know who they should be worshipping. But actually, us as believers, hallelujah, we know why we were created. We were created to worship. We were created to enjoy God. Amen? Yes. Amen? We were created to worship him. We were created to enjoy him. That's why you and I are part of this earth. We were made to worship our creator. 
Think about the best moments in your life. I can think about some of the best moments in my life. So um, the day I married Kirsty, the day Caleb and Rose came along, like amazing days in my life. Um, the day when Manchester United won the treble, amazing. <laughs> I've divided the room, yes. <laughs> Amen at the back. Um, think about the best days of your life and think about the song that would have been on your hearts on those days. And then also think about the toughest days in your life as well. So a loved one passes away or getting bullied at school, when our friends turn on us, when we face discrimination, when we battle with depression or anxiety. Think about the worst days of your life as well. It's interesting, this world and our modern mindset kind of says to us, you don't want to go through bad times. You want to escape the bad times. Actually, you should do anything to flee from those bad times. But have you ever thought about when your life and your character is changed for the best? Have you ever thought about those times? Because actually, if you're anything like me, it wouldn't be the mountaintop moments where you feel you've actually had a big change in your character, a big transformation in who you are. Actually, it's in the valley moments that I feel that most of us are refined, most of us are changed, most of our characters are really formed to become more like Christ. Whereas the world might say, flee from those times. Actually, the biblical narrative is a life lived of worship and praise to God, but we'll be going through these mountains and valleys, mountains and valleys. And actually, rather than just trying to flee away from any badness happening to us or anything negative in our lives, actually, to embrace those times and to realise God does work on our hearts. God does work deep down in our character. God refines us and makes us more like him. Great quote, the grass doesn't grow on the mountaintops, but the grass grows abundantly in the valleys. Growth really comes in the valley times, for you and for I. So Acts Acts 16, if you want to turn to Acts 16, verses 22 to 24. This is about Paul and Silas in prison, a famous part of, um, of the book of Acts. And basically the story is... Paul and Silas have been proclaiming the good news of Jesus. So they've been preaching um, in the marketplace, in the town, the good news of Jesus. And they've been seeing miracles happening. So Paul's been, um, Paul and Silas have been healing the sick. They've been praying for the sick. They've been um, seeing demons fleeing. It is, it's amazing. And basically what happened in this story was that Paul cast out um, a spirit um, and set this slave free. And this slave had been owned by these masters who wanted the slave to stay as she was because they were actually making money from her. They were making money from her um, predicting the future. So when this slave was suddenly freed and healed by the power of Jesus through Paul and Silas praying, the owners were like, what are you doing? We were making loads of money here. Why have you prayed for her? Why has she been healed? And they were really mad at Paul and Silas. So they dragged them out into the marketplace and in front of the magistrates, and that's where we pick up the story. So, Acts 16, verses 22 to 24. Could somebody read it out in a nice, nice loud voice for us? Yeah, great, fantastic, thank you. The crowd joined the attack against Paul and Cyrus. Silas, yeah. Silas, the, judge, the judges ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped and beaten with rods. They were, they were whipped with out mercy, they were thrown into prison. The jailers were commanded to guard them carefully. They, when, when he received these orders, he put Paul and Silas deep inside the prison. He fastened their feet so they couldn't run away. 
Thanks so much. Appreciate it. So Paul and Silas, they were attacked, they were beaten, they were flogged, they were put in jail, and their feet were put in the stocks. Imagine what their song would have been. Like, can you imagine singing Happy Day when you're like, your feet are stuck in stocks? Or can you imagine them singing What a Feeling when my feet are in stocks? Doesn't really go. Um, but can you imagine what kind of songs um, they would have been um, singing that time? I, kind of, I can't imagine being in that situation. For me, in that situation, I'd have been feeling in the pit of despair. Um, I'd have been feeling like, oh, there's no way out. I'd have either kind of given in to despair and like, I, I can't do this and I know what my life to end or I'd be trying to hatch some kind of cunning plan. If I can pick this lock with like this little bit of stone on the ground, then maybe I can try and get out of this situation. So I'd be trying to look for either falling into despair or, or thinking of a solution. What were Paul and Silas doing in prison? The next verse, verse 25. About midnight, so in the dead of night, Paul and Silas were feeling hopeless and didn't want to do anything about it. Nope. Paul and Silas were hunting for a, a pick to pick the lock. Nope. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were in this place of despair. They were in this place of, oh, what's happened to us? We've been beaten, we've been flogged, we've been put in jail. What were they doing at midnight? They were singing songs of praise to God. Oh, wow, it's so countercultural. It's so against um, my natural bent, probably. It's maybe against your natural inclination to pray and to sing hymns to God when you're going through this time of despair. It's amazing. When everything was caving in around them, they were singing praise to God, just like we've done in this time this morning, singing hymns to God. They weren't winning in life. The world would have said, you're losing in life. But these two, they were singing even when it appeared that they weren't winning. And this morning, just in the next five, ten minutes, I want to tell you four amazing things about worshipping through tough times. Four amazing things about worshipping through those valley moments. So, number one, there's truth in worship. Number two, there's power in worship. Number three, there's witness in worship. And number four, there's community in worship. So, number one, truth in worship. So Paul and Silas were singing hymns to God. I don't know about you, I love hymns. I love that the fact that when you sing a hymn, it's this ancient truth from hundreds of years ago, possibly, but you're repeating these truths that millions and millions and millions of brothers and sisters around the world have been singing. And I love this because we sing the truth of the gospel. Singing hymns reminds us of God's goodness. Singing hymns reminds us of the gospel message, of the good news. Everyone has a favourite hymn. One of my favourite hymns is It Is Well. Do you know that old hymn? It's amazing. Did you know that the guy who wrote it, Horatio Spatfield, he wrote it immediately after losing most of his family in an incident um, out at sea. So he'd lost people that were dearest to him. And yet he wrote this hymn mixed with metaphors about, like, kind of, you know, out at sea as well. So it was personal to him. But he wrote these lyrics... Whatever my lot, whatever happens to me in life, thou hast taught me to say, God, you've taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So even though I've lost my loved ones, even though it would seem like I'm losing in life, I can still say it's well with my soul because I know a God who satisfies infinitely more than my life situation, than my life circumstances. I know a God who's good even when my life doesn't feel good. He wrote that. When David was surrounded by his enemies, what did he do? He sung 
What did Mary do when she was pregnant with Jesus, when actually the world around her would have been like, no, you're not married, that's, that's, that's an awful situation to be in. If I was Mary, I'd be feeling sad, I'd be feeling afraid. Mary sung. She sung a song of hope to Jesus, to her God. I remember sitting on the hospital bed with, with Kirsty after um, we had Rose, and Kirsty was seriously ill, and I was like, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I remember, like, we just, we, we don't often sing together, just us two, but I remember just singing um, with Kirsty on the hospital bed, and we were singing songs like, Blessed Be Your Name, or We Will Not Be Shaken, and those songs had never meant more to us than in that moment, because we were unsure of what was going to happen, I was worried for her, and we were singing praise to God. I wonder what's the song that you can sing to God in your situation that you're going through at the moment. You're being um, harassed at work. Um, You're finding school really, really tough at the moment. Um, Your friends have turned on you. Um, Your family members don't want to know you anymore because you're you're this Jesus person. And I I wonder what your song can be to God in those moments of just feeling feeling sad, feeling low. I wanted to get Caleb just to share. So, like, Caleb um, went through a bit of a tough time just before Christmas, and, um, and we've been chatting about it, and um, wanted him just to share for a minute just about um, the situation he went through. Do you want to stand on the chair, maybe? Do you want to come? Yeah? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Caleb, do you want to stand on there? Uh, I can stand here. Stand here? Great. Do you want to speak nice and loud for people? Yeah. Great. Uh, so, my name is Caleb. So my name's Caleb and I had a time where I struggled a bit but I still sung. So when I had Covid I struggled a bit. I couldn't go to school. I had to stay in my room for 10 days or go in the back garden. On the countdown to Christmas I still worship, worship God by praying and we had quiet times by the door. God spoke to me saying that there is no need to worry. Thanks, Caleb. That's amazing. Well done. So going through a tough time like that for uh, 10 10 days, and for lots of us, we'll have been through times like that in the last couple of years, the world that we're living in. Through those tough times, we can still trust in God. And there is truth when we, when we worship, just like we had um, little quiet times through the door. It was so sad. But actually, we're reminding each other of the truth of God. There's truth when we worship. Secondly, this morning, power when we worship. And I believe this has already been preached on, so I'm going to um, be kind of going over what you've already heard. But in Acts 16, 26, as Paul and Silas were praising, as they were singing these hymns and praying to God, there was an earthquake and the prison doors were open. Can you imagine this happening? Can you imagine it happening this morning? We were praising and, and, and kind of, you know, enjoying God. And then the windows started to shatter, like the doors flung open. Costa Costa probably wouldn't be too happy with us. But um, can, you, can you imagine the scene, though, in prison? The, an earthquake happened. The prison doors flung open. Imagine it. Um, we see in this story, and we see throughout Scripture, maybe when, when the walls of Jericho came down, when the people of God were singing, many other times in Scripture, there's power when God's people praise together. There's power to break down walls. There's power to set people free. There's power to change lives and to change hearts. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out in the church. And there's no more powerful force than the Holy Spirit. 
He's the spirit of power. I remember as a church, we were recording our church's album about three and a half years ago. And there was about 50 of us from the church all squashed into this little room upstairs. And we were singing through the songs on the album. And you might have thought, oh, it's just kind of, you know, repeating the songs. And maybe there's no power in just kind of going over these songs. But as we were worshipping, because we wanted to make this a, a time of worship as well as just recording the congregation's voices to be put on the album... As we were recording, as we were worshipping, one lady called Emily um, in her 20s, suddenly, after having um, an arm that that had hurt for months and months and months in real pain, suddenly, as she worshipped, there was no more pain in her arm and she was totally healed. And we didn't expect this, we didn't pray for this, but it's the power of God working um, despite our intentions and and despite um, our attitudes towards it. Power, the Holy Spirit works when we sing. Do you believe this morning that there is power when we worship? Do you believe that there is? Our God is a living and active God. We don't just sing songs and stare at lyrics on the the screen or try and think, do I remember the lyrics to this song when it was started this morning? Actually, we worship a God. It's not just a sing song. We worship a God who's living and active and he has power. He has all authority. Amen? Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit is the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave. And you don't get any more power than a spirit that can raise a life. Imagine what can happen when you sing to your God. So truth in worship, number one. Number two, power in worship. Number three, there's witness in worship. So in the story we've read in Acts, the other prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas. I don't know about you, but if I was one of the other prisoners in prison, I'd be like, it's midnight, be quiet, be quiet, stop singing, stop praying to God. And I'd get really annoyed and grumpy probably because I like my beauty sleep. I need it, to be honest. Um, the age I'm at, I need my sleep. But the jailer saw everything that had happened and the jailer asked what he could do to be saved. He heard their praise. He heard their prayers. He saw the power of what had happened when they sung. He saw the prison doors being flung open and the jailer asked, what can I do to be saved? And Paul said, you need to believe in Jesus. You need to believe that Jesus is Lord. And then not only the jailer, but the whole of the jailer's family gave their lives to God. There's witness when we worship. You know what? People might wander up sometimes on a Sunday morning and they might stand at the back and they might think, what are those weird Christians doing, like singing those songs to God? I, I wonder. But actually, there's such an attraction about a people who sing for joy in what they believe. And you know what? The attraction is so much bigger than somebody turning up at a football game and seeing people singing a football song. Actually, I've come across so many people that have come into the doors of church, like our church in Canterbury where we're based at the City Church, or other churches around the place, and maybe somebody's just invited their, you know, their friend along to church. I remember one story of a student who invited her, her hallmate along to church, and then her friend came, and she just absolutely loved the time of worship. And she went back home and she Googled all the songs that we'd been singing, and then started to make a playlist and went over these songs and wanted to come back to church. There's an attraction that comes from seeing people singing songs of worship to God. Share some worship songs with some of your friends, maybe. Invite your friends along to church and let them see um, God's people praising together. In your darkest days and in your most horrible situations in life, your song that you sing 
can have such an impact on other people around you in your life. My friend Catherine really battled with breast cancer. She's only in her early 30s, but she really battled with breast cancer um, over the course of a year, year and a half. And you know what? Her song grew louder. Through that horrible time of going through that ordeal, her song grew louder. And you know what? Her friends around her who didn't know Jesus must have seen something in her life and thought, wow, she's going through this horrendous time that shouldn't logically happen to her in this life. But actually it happened to her and her song was all the louder. In your darkest days, do you keep on singing in those valley moments? How you respond to those hard situations will teach your family and friends who don't know Jesus a lot about what you're living for or who, or who you're living for. So finally this morning, community in worship. Number four, community in worship. Was Paul alone in the prison? No. Was Silas alone in the prison? No. They had each other. There was only two of them, but they had each other. There's community in worship. So what I love is when we gather together, when we sing, like we've sung this morning, we're a community together. And you know what? It's beautiful this morning. Different people starting up different songs, us all joining in together. It's an amazing community of worshippers. I imagine Paul and Silas in prison, and imagine one of them might have sung melody to the songs, and the other one might have uh, sung a harmony. You know, Paul might have beatboxed, and Silas might have done a breakdance. We don't know, do we? But um, I'm guessing maybe not. But they sung songs together in this beautiful union together. God has given us community. He's given us one another to enjoy praising together. Sometimes in our worship, we might be kind of, you know, eyes closed, hands out and enjoying God like this. Other times we might be clapping and looking around and smiling and encouraging one another. Because actually when we worship together, there's a communal aspect. That's why it's called corporate worship, not just individual worship, but corporate worship. We are saved into a relationship, yes, with God, yes, you and I, but we're saved into this family of God, brothers and sisters, proclaiming the good news of God together. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I felt God give me this idea, and it was about encouraging believers to carry on singing to God in their homes. So I started something called Come and Sing With Me, and basically just every weekday morning, I pick up my guitar, I put my iPhone on my, you know, kind of, uh, on my, what do you call it, windowsill, and then, <laughs> that's the word, windowsill, and then I just video, um, like, just a time, of, a time of worship and encourage people to sing, keep on singing um, in their homes. And you know what? thought it would last two or three weeks, COVID. <laughs> Turns out it lasts a few, long, a few weeks longer than that. Um, 18 months was just doing this because I, I, felt, I, I felt God had called me to do this. And you know what? There'd be times after I pressed the stop button on the, uh, on the camera, there'd be times where I'd just like slump. There'd be times where I'd actually cry. And there'd be times where I'd be like, God, I miss the community. I miss God's people together. This isn't how community is meant to be. Online community, it's okay. And it served a purpose. But there's nothing like this. There's nothing like people together being able to praise God together. Somebody bringing a psalm. Somebody bringing a song. Somebody bringing a prayer. Somebody bringing a word of affirmation. Somebody bringing a picture. It's amazing. The people of God together. In Ephesians, Paul said that you're being built up into a dwelling place for God to dwell in your midst. So when we sing, we don't just sing songs, we don't just have a sing-along, we're meeting with the God of the earth. We're meeting with the God of heaven. We're meeting with our creator as we meet with one another. So there's truth in worship, 
There's power in worship, there's witness in worship, and there's community in worship. So, do we just sing when we're winning? No. No. We sing in the mountaintops, and we sing in the valleys. We sing when we're brought low. Just like Paul and Silas sung in prison, when the world would have said, you're losing in life. They sung, they clung on to their God in those times. Can I really encourage you, whatever you're going through, and when you do go through those valley moments, I I don't feel I've gone through any horrendous moments in my life, but those valley moments that we step into sometimes, that we have to endure sometimes, let God work on your heart and let your song be a song of trust and dependency on God through those times as well. We have a saviour who gets it. We've got a saviour who understands the tough times in life. Jesus went through such a horrendous time. He was rejected by his friends, rejected by people, even like in his closest circle. Jesus went through mourning and grief, mourning people that he'd lost in his life. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was was mocked. Jesus was nailed to the cross. And actually, we know that Jesus went through those things to bring you and I into community with God the Father. Jesus went through those valleys. Jesus endured the most horrendous valley for you and for I. Jesus sung with his disciples during the Last Supper. They sung a hymn as well. They sung together. Jesus went through that horrendous valley so that you and I, we could sing again. We could sing a song. We could be invited in to this eternal song that's always gone on throughout the ages. Father, Son and Spirit, even before the earth was created, they've been in loving union. That eternal song, you and I, by the scandal of grace, have been invited into that song. Will that song ever end? No. We've heard this morning. Actually, that song will continue forever when we're with Jesus face to face. And those valley moments in our lives... They'll just be like a speck at the back of our minds, maybe not even able to recall. Because when we're with Jesus, we'll be made new, we'll be made complete. Will there be any sadness in eternity? Nope, none. Will there be any mourning or grief in eternity? No, not at all. There'll be Jesus and we'll see him and we'll enjoy him forever. No more valleys, just mountaintops. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait. Mountaintops every day. Good things to do. Good things to enjoy. I think we'll sleep. I think we'll rest. I think we'll, we'll go out and we'll do good work. I, I think we'll, we'll enjoy dwelling in our houses. We'll be rushing into the city to be amongst brothers and sisters and praise God. And we'll be saying, oh, do you remember our, our lives when we did this and when we did that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Should we go down to the city and worship our Savior together? Yeah, let's, let's go down there. The city of God, the holy place with God and with his people. No more valleys, just mountaintops. Can we pray together? Let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Maybe where you are, if you feel comfortable, maybe just lift your hands to to Jesus. Jesus, we thank you so much that you endured the cruelest, most horrendous valley moment on the cross to bring us into that eternal song that's always existed and will always exist. And Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that maybe are going through valley moments, maybe real times of suffering, 
real times of grief, real times of sorrow, real times of heartache. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that are going through that. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you bring your comfort to them right now. We pray, pour out your comfort to them. And I also pray, um, Holy Spirit, that you'd fix their eyes on the Saviour. You'd fix their eyes on Jesus. And you'd fix their eyes on that eternal hope that we have where there will be no more sadness, where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more grief, and they'll just be Jesus. Jesus, I thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much that um, they get to meet in this place in the middle of town, and we pray that there'd be an amazing witness to their worship. Thank you so much even for um, the ladies downstairs who said, oh, we love the church that meets upstairs. We love having them here in the building, and I pray for more and more of that Lord God, give them favour in this town. Um, yeah, give them real witness opportunity as they, as they worship through highs and through lows. Um, Jesus, in your great name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Ollie.